The Louisville football program has released the depth chart for the week one game against the Syracuse Orange. We will discuss that and more on today's episode of the Locked On Louisville podcast. Stay tuned. You are Locked On Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome into this bonus episode of the Locked On, the Louisville podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. I serve as a credential media member for Cardinal Sports Zone. I also do some PA announcing work for the university in various sports. I want to take this time to say thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Just a reminder, the Locked On, the Louisville podcast is free on all streaming services, five days a week, your team, every day. As I mentioned in the cold open, the Louisville football program has released their first initial or first initial first official depth chart ahead of the week one matchup with the Syracuse Orange. We will dive into the biggest takeaways from that. Uh, we will also talk about and I will explain why I like taking on an ACC opponent in week one of the season. And then in the final segment, we will dive in to the weekly mailbag. So let's get right on into it. Discussing the depth chart um, the main takeaway here for the Louisville Cardinals is that there's not a ton of surprises, uh, not a lot of changes from that initial depth chart uh, heading in to um, fall camp. Um, we mentioned on the first episode of the day that Brock Doman is the backup quarterback for the Louisville Cardinals behind Malik Cunningham. I know that um, there were some questions whether it would be um, Evan Conley, Brock Doman, maybe uh, redshirt, or I'm sorry, not redshirt, uh, true freshman Caleb Johnson. Uh, should I say early enrollee, not redshirt freshman? Um, so there's not a lot of uh, surprises there. Um, Running back wise, I think what what has a lot of people intrigued is the fact that Jawar Jordan is kind of listed ahead of um, Travion Cooley and Jalen Mitchell, but he's not really because it's like it's one of those things to where it's like the it, it could be either one. It says it's Jawar Jordan or Jalen Mitchell or Travion Cooley, so you have that instance to where. Um, it's going to be like last season, right? I mean, you have your starting running back in Tyon Evans. Last year, I think that Jalen Mitchell was maybe listed as the starter, but it was still an instance to where we didn't necessarily know if he was going to receive the uh, the bulk of the load. Um, but Travion, I'm sorry, Tyon Evans is the listed starter here, uh, a guy that's had a tremendous fall camp, um, a guy that a lot of people have – you know, high hopes for this upcoming season. Jawar Jordan's a guy we talked about in the second segment of the first episode of the day that he's going to have a big season as well. He's a guy that, you know, Louisville fans need to be, need to be talking about more, need to be uh, a little bit more accustomed to speaking on when they discuss the Louisville running back committee. So I, I think that the depth chart kind of confirms the narrative that we've been hearing throughout the past couple seasons. That's, you know, it's going to be based on matchups. It's going to be about riding the hot hand. There's a lot of mouths to feed in this running back department, but hey, look, it's going to be a matter of, you know, who's playing well, who's running the ball well, who is securing the ball well. Is there going to be an instance to where, you know, a certain player or players is having issues with ball security? Obviously, fumbling the football is a thing that can get you on the bench. Um, so, Who's going to take care of the ball the best? Who's going to make the most out of their opportunities? Who's going to be the best matchup for a certain opponent? So on and so forth. Um, not a lot of 
um, you know, surprise for the offensive line. Trevor Reed listed as the official starter for the left tackle position. Uh, that's something that uh, is notable. Obviously, Caleb Chandler, Brian Hudson, Adonis Boone, Renato Brown, the the listed starters. Luke Kandra, Austin Collins, uh, Josh Black um, listed as uh, depth pieces as well in the two deep. When Kobe Baines decided to transfer, I remember asking the question on the show, who is going to rise into that backup right tackle position? Well, we have that answer. It is Michael Gonzalez, who's also the backup at left tackle. So that's something that interests me is the fact that Michael Gonzalez is being trusted at either the left tackle or the right tackle. Um, could also play on the interior as well, I've been told. So that's something that um, shouldn't get overlooked as well as having that versatility. Obviously, it seems like, um, in my opinion, this just says that Michael Gonzalez is too good not to put on the field somewhere. So the fact that he has that versatility is some big-time news for me. Uh, Marshawn Ford is the starter at the H-back position. Uh, Dwayne Martin is a guy that um, I'm interested to see how much opportunity he's going to get as well. When you watch his high school film, there's a lot to like from what we saw on, on the field. So that's interesting there. Des Melton or Francis Sherman is the starter at tight end. Uh, Des Melton, I think, was the listed starter. Francis Sherman's had a, had a good fall camp. Um, the former walk-on that was just put on a full-ride scholarship at the conclusion of last week. That's something to focus on. Wide receiver, um, this is one of those, I don't know whether I'm concerned or maybe it's something that you can't look too much into the depth chart. Uh, the listed starters, Tyler Hudson, Amari Huggins, Bruce, or Braden Smith, D Wiggins, or Amari Huggins, Bruce. It seems like, you know, you have, you know, your starters and Tyler Hudson, who's going to be a fantastic player. Amari Huggins, Bruce, Braden Smith are going to be fantastic, but Amari Huggins, Bruce also listed you know, on the outside as well. So as much as it may be a little bit concerning, the fact that, yeah, you don't have those de depth numbers, so there's no Josh Johnson on that list. There's no Chris Bell, no Chance Morrow, things of that nature. You do have uh, Jalen Carter backing up Tyler Hudson, Elijah Downing, the redshirt freshman um, outside of them as the third string. Um, two schools of thought here. Yeah, you may be a little bit concerned because of the fact that it's like, hey, look, man, I know that the depth numbers just aren't there, but yeah, none of the true freshmen are on the list. Josh Johnson isn't on that list. So it, it does offer a little bit of concern if, if one receiver does go down. Uh, knock on wood, hopefully they don't. Um, also, you could play the devil's advocate and say, hey, look, Amari Huggins-Bruce is either going to be in the slot or he's going to be out wide. The, the coaching staff trusts him either way. They see him as a guy that they've got to get the ball to in space. He's got the skill set to be able to play on the boundary or, you know, in the slot. So that might be something to focus on there as sort of a, hey, look, maybe it's not necessarily so much as a, of a depth conversation, although it might be. It might be more so a testament to how good Amari Huggins-Bruce is and how good he's being projected to be as a, you know, as a true sophomore. So, um Moving into the defensive side of the ball, the biggest shock here is obviously Desmond Tell being listed over Arizona State defensive line transfer Jermaine Lole for the nose tackle position. Um, 
Obviously, I think that this coaching staff is very high on Des Tell and his progression. He's looked very solid this offseason, um, has made some big-time plays in fall camp, but also they're raving about Jermaine Lolay as well. So I think that this is an instance to where, yeah, it's significant the fact that Tell is listed as the starter, but hey, look, it could also be a situation to where both of these guys are going to play significant snaps. Jermaine Lolay came in um, in July, so he may be still trying to um, you know, earn that starting role and he might be the starter, you know, at the you know, conclusion of the season, who knows? But if you had some doubts at the defensive line position, I think that this goes a, a decent way in trying to alleviate some of those and trying to relieve some of those concerns over the lack of production at the nose tackle position. Um, no surprise to hear that Yaya Diaby and Ashton Gelardi are the starters at the defensive ends. And, hey, like I mentioned, some of these former walk-ons that got placed on scholarship are going to play some big-time snaps. Mason Rieger listed as the backup to Yaya Diaby. Ramon Perrier listed as the backup to Ashton Gelardi. Zach Edwards, the third string at the edge position. Jared Dawson, the backup at the – I'm sorry, the third string at the nose tackle position. Um, In the linebacking committee – should be no surprise, Yasir Abdullah, Monty Montgomery, and Momo Sonogo listed as the three starting linebackers. I'm sorry, four. Ben Perry listed as the 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 fourth the fourth starting linebacker or Marvin Dallas. So um in the middle, um the interesting part here for me is the fact that TJ Quinn uh, is listed as a third string to back up Dorian Jones and Monty Montgomery. I'm also excited to see KJ Cloyd. The former JUCO product that, if you remember, didn't go the JUCO route because of grades or because he wasn't good enough, but had a career-threatening injury um, and was able to battle back, look good last season on special teams. He's listed as the backup to Momo Sonogo over Jalen Alderman. So that's one to focus on here. And I'm interested to see how well KJ Cloyd is able to slide into the rotation this year and and play some big-time snaps. Uh, On the outside, Cam Wilson listed as the backup over Popeye Williams. Um, Both of those guys uh, backing up Yasir Abdullah. Hey, look, I mentioned it. Uh, Popeye Williams, a guy that is maybe too talented to keep off the field, although he's a true freshman. Cam Wilson, uh, a very highly rated four-star prospect that had some injury issues uh, last season. He is a listed backup at that uh, spot. And then Ben Perry or Marvin Dallas at one of the linebacking positions. So that that's a great spot in that hybrid the linebacker uh, safety role. Um, and then concluding with the... Uh, with the um, with the uh, secondary, Chandler Jones or Jarvis Brownlee Jr., Catrell Clark backed up by Quincy Riley. Uh, there's been talks of Chandler Jones doing what he did last year, playing some quarterback, playing some safety. Jarvis Brownlee has been one of the biggest surprises of fall camp. The Florida State transfer has been very, very, very solid. Quincy Riley has been making some big-time plays, and obviously Catrell Clark is going to be one, going to be one of the best um cornerbacks in the ACC Josh Minkins listed as the starter over MJ Griffin at strong safety I think that both of those guys are going to play some big time snaps Ken Duncan Jr obviously the starter at free safety Nicario Harper the backup there and then true freshman um D'Angelo Hutchinson and Jeremiah Caldwell are the third strings at the strong safety and free safety positions respectively so it's nice to see that quality too deep depth in the secondary especially at the safety position something that we've been looking forward to 
Um, and then in special teams, James Turner or Brock Travelstead at the place kicker. Um, the kickoff guys, Travelstead. Uh, the punter is Mark Vassett. Kick returner, Jawar Jordan and Jalen Mitchell. That's something to focus on because Jawar Jordan is the starting kick returner and punt returner. So like we mentioned um, in the other Monday episode, Jordan is going to be a big um, a big spot in special teams. And then possibly Jalen Mitchell. And Amari Huggins-Bruce listed as the backup punt returner. So having a dynamic guy back there uh, for the punt returns is going to be big. So... Um, uh, transitioning over into starting to talk about that first game against Syracuse, I'm going to begin the discussion by talking about how much I like the fact that the Cardinals are taking on an ACC opponent and it being Syracuse. Uh, we'll discuss why that is here in just a second um, after we give you this message from the NHTSA. Um, are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stoned? Look, what's the worst that could happen, right? You end up driving below the speed limit. It's, it's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is your reaction time slows down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone else around you as well. Talk about being a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. So transitioning over into talking about why I love this matchup against Syracuse to start out the season, um, let me let me start out by saying, um, for for a uh, discussion starter, um, I'm not saying that I don't like starting the season out with an FCS opponent or a non-power five opponent. Um, I truly like to have a test to start the season. Look, I get the devil's advocate here. I get the other side of the table. You get um, the possibility to start out the season with a loss when you play a tougher team, um, you know, as opposed to maybe working through those early season woes and early season rust and being able to you know perfect your craft and get into a spot to where you feel comfortable by about like, hey, maybe week three, week four, you're playing a conference opponent. And then at that point, you feel comfortable and you're in your best position to start out conference play or some of the tougher parts of your schedule. I get that, and I respect that. And, hey, look, I'm not disagreeing with that point either. I just like playing conference games to start the season out. Number one, because it offers an opportunity to build up that morale. I think that playing the first game of the season, um, it is a bigger game. It's an opportunity to where you're playing on the road. You have a solid test. You get to... Um, you know, you get answers to some of these questions that you've been seeing or that some of these questions that you've been asking throughout the offseason and you don't have to take the answers with a grain of salt because you're playing some better competition and you don't have to ask, well, is it because you played bad competition or are you really that good of a team? You don't have to, uh, you know, you don't have to be on standby for that question. You don't have to be on standby to answer that question, I should say. Um, I just think that this is a great opportunity here for Louisville. I like opening up with an ACC game. I like opening up with a solid team in general. Sure, it might suck getting the brakes blown off against Alabama, uh, Mississippi, you know, losing to Auburn in the Chick-fil-A kickoff bowl, but you know, looking at you know Purdue, I mean, that was a solid opportunity to get a, a, a decent win to build up um, some momentum. Uh, Miami back in 2014 was another opportunity to where you open up your ACC, um, you, know, you open up ACC play the very first game in the conference with a very solid victory against Miami. I think that this is a 
awesome opportunity here for Louisville because you can build up that confidence. You can build up that momentum. You can build up that morale um, with possibly going 1-0 and in, in the ACC before you uh, take on um, some solid teams. Look, this schedule doesn't truly have a weak point. So to speak, uh, yeah, you do have maybe matchups with South Florida and James Madison. Still can't overlook those games, but probably the um, weakest opponents on the schedule, at least preseason speaking. Um, but as much as I like the fact that it's a game against the AC, against an ACC opponent, I also like the fact that it is a game against Syracuse. Now, this is no disrespect to the Orange. I'm just calling a spade a spade. Since the Cardinals have entered ACC play, they have looked very, very solid against the Syracuse Orange. They have been the kryptonite for Dino Baber's team. Obviously, the 2018 season, they lost to the Orange. Well, they lost to everybody outside of uh, Indiana State and Western Kentucky, and they didn't look good in those games either. So, um, But outside of that, look, 2019, you beat Syracuse by double digits. 2020, you beat Syracuse by double digits. 2021, you blew the brakes off of Syracuse at Cardinal Stadium on Lamar Jackson Day to where it wasn't even a contest in the second half. The game was out of reach by the end of the first half. Malik Cunningham accounted for, I think, four touchdowns in that first half against Syracuse. Syracuse is probably on paper the weakest ACC team that you were going to face this season. It's not a an uphill battle for the Cardinals, and I don't want this to come off as me disrespecting the hell out of Syracuse. I, that is not the intention. I am calling a spade a spade here and saying that they are projected to be the lowest um, finishing team that Louisville will play from the conference this season. It's a team that Louisville has had a, an extreme amount of success on uh, for the past handful of seasons, ever since Scott Satterfield's gotten here, and even beyond that point. So, um, and this is a team that returns a lot of what they had from last season. They have a solid secondary. Garrett Schrader's solid. Sean Tucker is one of the best running backs in the conference. So, Louisville will have their hands full with those guys. But hey, look, the Cardinals handled those guys easily last season. I'm not saying that that's going to be the case this season, but they have the blueprint on how to be successful against the Orange. They look very solid offensively speaking. Um, and what better way to prepare for a running quarterback than going up in practice against, in my opinion, the best dual threat quarterback in the conference, one of the best in the country in Malik Cunningham. So the focus here for me is the fact that this is a great opportunity here for Louisville for a handful of reasons. Number one, you have a, a game against a non-FCS uh, opponent. You know, it's it's a respectable Power 5 opponent, one that's in your conference. Uh, I understand the other side of the spectrum, but I truly like the fact that they are getting tested early on because it forces you to really, really work hard in fall season camp. And I'm not saying that, you know, they aren't doing that anyway, but, you know, you have to um, – you have to have a little bit more urgency in a game like this rather than a game against an FCS team to where, you know, you can have a a, a C-plus game and still win by 30. I mean, you still have to handle business against Syracuse, and you have to come out, um, you know, firing on all cylinders, so to speak. So um, it offers an ACC um, opportunity here. Um, you, know, you know, the momentum factor is big as well. Um, and then also Syracuse uh, is one of those teams where it's like it's not like you're going into this game and you're 
projected to lose by 15 points where you're playing in Alabama or you're playing in Mississippi to where you have to put together your best game you're going to play all season just to have a chance. This is a game that Louisville is favored in. I get that people are picking the Cardinals to lose this game, um, You know, kind of a trend that's been happening over the past couple weeks, but I do think that this is a game that Louisville will win. Um, I think that they're going to cover the spread, but they're going to have to um, focus and really hone in on playing a solid game, and that's why I like it because you have to get in that mindset of early on for week one and the possibilities here. You just say, well, what if you lose? Yeah. Well, what if you win, right? You start at 1-0 in the ACC. So a big opportunity there. So um, we'll continue to preview the upcoming matchup against Syracuse as the week goes on. We will conclude today's episode of the show with the weekly mailbag segment. Before we do that, um, want to say thank you all for making us your first listen of the day. Just a reminder, the Locked On Louisville podcast is free on all streaming services, um, including YouTube, and now WHAS 11 Plus. Go to WHAS11.com. Go to their sports section, and you can find all of the videos from the Locked On Louisville podcast. Um, so be sure to check that out. Uh, diving into the mailbag segment, um, got a couple good questions today. If you want to submit some questions ahead of the season, you can tweet me at defense underscore. You can send a DM. Um, I have my DMs open to everyone or the Locked On Louisville Twitter pages at LO underscore Louisville. But um, in regards to the weekly mailbag, uh, a couple good questions. Uh, the first one is, how much stock do you put in the first official depth chart? And uh, is it something that we should really put a lot of uh, stock into? Okay, can, uh, the the phrasing of that question kind of confused me, but... Uh, I understand the merit there. I understand what the um, what the intention of the question is. Um, I mean, I do, but I also understand that things um, aren't necessarily set in stone. So it's nice to get a blueprint of where the depth chart kind of sits, but that doesn't take away the possibility of guys that aren't listed on the depth chart to still make some significant impacts. And the depth chart week one might not necessarily be the same for week two or week three or definitely not for the end of the season. So as much as I... Um, I appreciate the depth chart, and um, you know I I put some significance into it, but I also understand that it's not set in stone. And just because a, a player is listed down the depth chart or they're not even listed at all, doesn't mean that they won't make an impact at some point. So, moving along into the basketball side of things, um, I'm finding it hard not to become um, highly um, excited about this team. Due to the off-season workout videos, especially with Fabio Basili and how good he is doing with one-on-ones, am I wrong for feeling uh, this way? And is it truly that significant? Um, I think that everything should be taken with a grain of salt because you're going up against, um, you know, your own players. You're going up in one-on-one settings. Um, but it's also significant that you're seeing Fabio Basili look good in off-season workouts. You're seeing Hersey Miller, the walk-on, look solid in off-season workouts. Um, L. Ellis as well, you know, moving down the line. So I will say that you can take it for what it is. It, it's and I know that there's the video to where Danny Manning is, is basically saying, you know, we're in attack mode. We're not, you know, we're not um, reactive. We are, you know, we're we're trying to impose our will. So I like that mindset. Uh, but but at the end of the day, it's all about um, you know results on the court. So I'm I, I think that the verdict is still out. I think that. Uh, I, I, my expectations, I wouldn't say that they're low. Obviously, my expectations are the same. Let's make the tournament. Um, obviously, those expectations may change um, depending on how the team looks to begin the season, but I don't necessarily put too much stock into gym workouts. Um, 
you know, on, for any team, for any level, because uh, there, there's a lot of context missing and it's not an in-game setting. But obviously, I think that um, it, it doesn't hurt. I mean, you, you can definitely feel excited. I know a lot of people that do feel excited as well. So I'm not gonna, I'm not going to say that you're wrong in feeling that way. I would caution you a little bit just because it is um, the early, uh, just off-season workout. So just take everything with a grain of salt. So the next question is, okay, it's a volleyball question. I like the fact that you know, people have asked a volleyball question. Cards go nine and zero in terms of sets. Um, in the first weekend, overall takeaways from the Cardinals opening weekend in South Dakota, and will they be as good as last season? Um, for starters, uh, will they be as good as last season? It's going to go. It's going to be very, very tough to go undefeated in the regular season and only lose one game. Um, they're national championship contenders. Um, I, I don't necessarily think it's about being as good as last season. I think it's just focusing on the opponents at hand. Um, as a, a, in terms of their three straight set victories um, over Northern Kentucky, South Dakota, and Missouri, uh, they look solid. Uh, Raquel Lotharo, um, the USC transfer, the starting setter for the Cardinals, looked very, very solid. Um, was uh, had a lot of um, you know chemistry with the uh, you know with the hitters. Um, Obviously, the nucleus of Claire Chausse, uh, Anna DeBeer, um, Iko Jones, and Amaya Tillman were very, very solid on the attacking front. Uh, Alexa Hendricks and Elena Scott, very solid defensively. Um, you also have, you know, uh, I think it's Kara, I think it's Cressy, Cress, Kara Cress, the um, redshirt freshman. Uh, uh, I think it's uh, Pekran Kong or Fekran Kong. I, if I'm messing these names up, I apologize. I'm trying to learn them for sure, so forgive my ignorance if I'm incorrect. But uh, some two taller middle blockers that are um, filling that void that uh, Anna Stevenson left. Um, they looked very solid at, at various points this past weekend. Obviously, competition is, is in um, um, in conversation as well because they, I think that they will have their first real test when they take on the ranked Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. Um, on Wednesday on the road. So that's something to focus on. But uh, a solid opening weekend. The cards looked sharp. They didn't play with their food, so to speak. They handled business and they looked sharp. Um, you know, offensively, defensively, got to clean up some uh, some serves in terms of some service errors. But hey, it happens. So talked about uh, the depth chart being released. Talked about why I love the fact that Syracuse is the first game on the schedule. And also dived into the weekly mailbag. We will have four episodes over the next two days. Um, thanks again, everyone, for making us your first listen of the day. Check out the Locked On ACC podcast ahead of the football season to get all your conference news. But that's going to wrap up this second Monday edition of the show. Everyone, have a great day. We will see you right back here tomorrow.